Welcome to part three of Raising an Entrepreneur, an eight-part series on what we can do to help our young people become happy, creative, passionate problem solvers. Entrepreneurs are unique. They embrace the chance to overcome obstacles, solve problems, make the world a better place, and dictate their lives on their own terms while they take on risk. These are their stories. My name is Aaron Stewart, and I have been researching and living entrepreneurship for the past 30 years. And I now welcome you to The Little Black Couch, a journey in entrepreneurship. Hey, everyone. Welcome to part three of our Raising an Entrepreneur series. This one I will, this show I would like to call the, um, the Art and the Science of Encouragement. I must warn everyone that we are going to get into the weeds a little bit with some science. We are going to get into the weeds a little bit with my own research, which I am obviously uh, uh, thrilled about personally, but that may not be, <laughs> may not be what uh, everybody is used to hearing when it comes to the uh, topics that we'll be discussing today. So anyway, I wanted to first jump into this concept of what our children go through. And many of you who remember back into maybe biology or science class, remember um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that come up. And essentially his theory was that we as human beings have a variety of needs and until these basic needs are met, we cannot progress up this hierarchy to actually become, get to a place where we can be creative. And some of those, just as a brief reminder, some of those would be uh, physiological needs where we're talking about food and warmth, water, rests, a safe place, uh, a place where we can get all our basic needs met, right? So if we have a place where we can get water, we know we've got uh, food that's available, we know that we can uh, rest comfortably anytime we need to, then that basic need would be, would be all taken care of and we can worry about our next need, which then becomes security and safety, which would be, you know, making sure that we've got enough money in the bank, making sure that our home is secure and we can sleep at night without somebody breaking in and taking all our stuff and hitting us over the head with a baseball bat once that need is met, we then can go on and worry about our relationships, um, our, how we feel in groups and how we feel accepted and the love that we get from others and uh, our intimate relationships, our friends. Um, that moves into more psychological needs where safety and physiological needs are basic needs. We've now moved into psychological needs. Once those needs are met of being, of feeling loved, we then can go into these ideas of accomplishing things, of developing prestige and being seen by our peers as being successful. And once that is all done, once we've accomplished that, then we can move up to this, this idea of where we can become creative and figure out who we are and all of that good stuff. Now, whether you believe in that hierarchy of needs or not, is sort of beside the point necessarily. I, I don't necessarily personally believe that these needs are so systematically accomplished and then frees us up to, um, you know, to worry about the next thing. Uh, but I will say this, that unless some of our basic needs and our psychological needs are met, <clears throat> excuse me, it's very difficult for us to get into this place where we are creative problem solvers. Okay. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and that, po that poses a big problem for our youth, especially as they begin to develop and move up. 
Obviously, our children need to feel in a safe and comfortable environment in order for them to be um, most creative. And we talked a little bit about in show one how all of these, um, we can foster and help our young people to develop talents. It's not this it's not based completely on nature. It's more based on nurture and helping them develop these talents. In, in, um, in part two, we learned about the different um, steps and the different um, needs that are required in order to make those talents become uh, an actual talent, to actually grow into something that works for our young people and sort of where we fit in as adults and helping them get to that. And now we are here at this particular point when we're talking about encouragement. Now, how did this research on encouragement, how did I fall into this area of study? And this goes way back into, uh, I, I studied entrepreneurship and got into this research project where we were looking at the effects of education on one's entrepreneurial perception. And it turned out that education did foster a more positive outlook when it came to entrepreneurial perception. And so that was really cool. It, it, again, I was super excited about the results of the research because it essentially proved that governments handing out a bunch of money to a bunch of countries and then expecting that to change anything really wasn't the way to go about doing it. We would be far better off as a, as a, as a world united to be educating one another and helping them then notice and um, more accurately perceive entrepreneurial um, opportunities and then fostering that new vision and helping them get to a point where they can essentially take care of themselves, right? Help them develop skills and get to a place where they feel motivated, where they feel where they get enough um, benefit, whether it be financial and uh, psychological, all that they need in order to become successful. And we break them out of this horrible cycle of poverty. And so that's where it became super exciting. And so when we got into it and started looking at it, we, we as society, have become so focused and fixated on goals. And it goes back to this, we want to be happy. Um, there's a whole bunch of research around um, dopamine and how dopamine works in our brain. And essentially, you can think of dopamine as the, as the um, a reward a hormone or molecule that whenever we uh, quote unquote accomplish something, this is at least what science says, whenever we accomplish something or we um, uh, receive praise back or something, we get this hit of dopamine that really makes us feel quite great. So you'll, we'll see this in our, our youth quite a bit as they get on social media where they will be making a post and, um, and if a lot of people happen to like their post or their photo or whatever, and they get a whole bunch of likes and hearts and all that, they seem to be really happy. But then I noticed um, it, the opposite is also true. Um, my daughter put a post up recently, and it didn't get quite as many likes, hearts, whatever, that she was looking for, and it actually had the opposite effect. It was quite disappointing to her that, that uh, what she thought was interesting and fun, nobody else really agreed with. Uh, so social media becomes a very interesting sort of tinderbox when it comes to the moods of our of our young people. Um, but that's probably a discussion for another day. Um, but this idea of of dopamine and how that makes us feel is these these little hits of dopamine of what keep us moving forward and keep us motivated and keep us uh, trying to accomplish things. At least that's what we had been told. And so 
we decided that, hey, you know, these people now have this perception of entrepreneurship. They see that there's more opportunities around them. Now let's help them actually start um, benefiting from this new perception. And so then we went out and you saw a lot of, there was a huge, huge influx of people saying, hey, you need to set goals. And so we started setting all kinds of goals. And um, goals, 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 right? Every Set a goal, put your mind to it, work for it, do all that. The problem with it is we, it's sort of like saying, hey, um, you know, do heart surgery. Uh, boom. And, and then just leaving it out there and not really worrying about all the steps that it takes to become a heart surgeon. And, and all the, the very difficult road that it takes to become a heart surgeon. Um, we didn't really break that down. We would just say, set this huge, gargantuous you know, big audacious was actually some of the terminology used back in the day, set big audacious goals and shoot for them, shoot for the stars. And if you don't make it, at least you're closer than you ever would have been. The problem is that if we don't reach our goal, there's a a bit of disappointment there. Like my, my poor daughter who didn't get the likes and loves that she wanted from her post, right? This then becomes disappointing. So what we found over time was setting a goal and trying to stay motivated to accomplish that goal was quite a great big, huge failure. 92% of all goals, research shows, 92% of all goals do not become accomplished. So what does that do for us? Well, if we do look at it as, hey, at least I got further than I would have, that would be actually pretty good. But instead, what we do is I didn't reach my goal. I'm a huge failure. That actually becomes a detriment to our motivation. Okay, so goals are not the answer in order for us to most efficiently um, get better. Right. So then we said, okay, goals aren't necessarily it, and 92% are being um, accomplished. Anyway, what do we need to do to make this better? And we came up with this idea of, hey, let's let's create a whole, let's let's you know, let's chunk this thing down and say, here's a bunch of tasks, and then when we accomplish each of these little tasks, we'll feel accomplishment, we'll get a dopamine hit, and we'll keep moving up this ladder until we become the big audacious goal, the the heart surgeon, whatever it is. And, you know, it turns out that um, we call them tasks, but all they are is just little tiny goals, right, (laughs) that we want to accomplish to get this big goal. And we know what about goals? Uh, 92% go um, unachieved, right? So then we we basically set up, okay, a big audacious goal, then a bunch of little goals that we, we will camouflage by calling them tasks, And then we'll set up great big task lists that we try to get through the day. And that didn't really work out. So then we, then we came up with the the brilliant idea. And again, Franklin Covey and all those folks out there came up with this, this brilliant idea that we, we could prioritize our tasks and that would be able to get it done. And so then we started praying that this one has to get done today. And and this one's like, God, we can push that one off. And, and so we created these huge, big, nasty, unbelievable systems, complicated systems And we tried to control ourselves and tried to control our motivation, essentially, by creating these sorts of things. And and some people did a little bit better with that. But we also made ourselves, a lot of people just became more miserable. Because not only were they failing on the big goal, now they're failing on a bunch of little tiny goals and not getting those done every day. And then the task list grows larger and larger and larger. And eventually, we quit looking at our task list because it makes us feel so bad, right? And so, boom. So now tasks aren't working. So then what did we do? We came up with this concept like, hey, what if we got together as teams? And then the teams could get together and they'd have these goals and they'd work and whatever. And, and, and we get them done that way. And, and, and again, each one of these steps has gotten us a little bit closer to sort of figuring it out. 
And so now we have these teams and these teams, because they had a single focus on this goal and whatever, maybe that would start working. Uh, the problem was that it didn't. Everybody started, um, we, we got a little bit closer and it wasn't because, uh, it wasn't because of what we thought it was. Originally, we thought it was because everybody was united in one goal to get it done. Turns out that's not what it was. It was the fact that one another, that they were encouraging one another to try to accomplish this thing because everybody was essentially miserable together, right? So at least we had that, uh, we, we started to, to tap into this idea of, of teamwork seems to work better, but it's not because of everybody's focused on this one goal. It's because now you have a group of people that are encouraging one another and that is enough to keep it going. And we started noticing that with encouragement comes these subsequent dopamine hits, which keeps us motivated, which gets us to the point where this, this, whole, this whole part, this whole show number three is about encouragement. And so going then to taking this whole thing that we've learned over the course of years, trying to get people who have a perception to then start accomplishing goals and, and be motivated and doing all that, we realized that one of the great, one of the huge big problems that we have in society today is that we believe that somehow or another we have to reserve our um, celebrations for actually achieving some kind of a goal. And that until we achieve this, whatever it is, we are not deserving of any sort of celebration. We need to hold off and not celebrate until we get to this goal. And it doesn't matter if it's a... And so what we started to do is make smaller and smaller goals, not really understanding why we were doing it, but just knowing that, hey, when we checked off a, test, a, a task, we felt better. We had a little dopamine hit, right? This reward molecule was released into our brain and we felt good about it. Um, but it wasn't necessarily accomplishing. It was accomplishing the goal. It was feeling something going on that we'd done something. Um, so that leads us to now, is there, a, is there a way for us to get away from making these goals and, and waiting until something's achieved to feel good about what we're doing? And the answer is a resounding yes. And it's called encouragement. Um, and it's, it's called a, a mind switch where we've got to get away from this idea that until I accomplish something, I don't deserve any praise, reward, or celebration. We really need to get back to a point in our lives where we were encouraging one another just for our effort. And that was a constant stream of dopamine hits where we could feel good about what we were doing minute to minute as opposed to just waiting for these tasks to be checked off and then reserving you know, this, this opportunity to feel good only then. And when we were children, and I use this example a lot, and I'm sure many of you who have listened to me previously have heard this example, but it is so accurate. When we were children, and I, as a, as a parent, and I, I, some of you, I know you can't remember all the way back, those that aren't parents, but everybody understands this very well, that when we were learning to walk as small children, we did not have a great big audacious goal to walk like dad does or walk like mom does or walk like grandma does. We just were little people looking around and realizing that there were other human beings doing something that we weren't doing and they seemed to be pretty happy about it and they seemed to be moving a lot faster than I was and then they could go any place they wanted to. That seemed pretty cool, right? And so we learned how to do different tasks. And it doesn't matter if it's talking. It doesn't matter if it's building a Lego set. It doesn't matter what it is. Every little thing we did as a child was hopefully, I know that not everybody was raised the same way, but in my home, 
When I was a child, I was raised by a mother who was so encouraging. It didn't matter what little thing I attempted, she would shower me with encouragement. Like, that is a great, that is a great idea. Or, oh, I can see that you're working on that. That's wonderful. Even if I opened my book to start my homework, my mother would be like, good for you starting on your homework. Not waiting until I was finished with my homework, but literally letting me have a little dopamine hit as I started. What a great way to start into homework, which sucks. But what a great way to start into it. I'd start with a really great mood. And that's what we have to get back to. Somewhere along the line, we as adults uh, get to a point where society switches this, this idea in our head where until you accomplish something, I am not going to give you any sort of praise because then you won't learn anything. And, and we as a society have really screwed up in this. This is where we have messed up the entire system that was perfect when we were little and now is a catastrophe. So let's get back to it. Our little people now are learning to, let's say, crawl or walk or whatever. Let's say walk. And they try to push themselves up a little bit and we all freak out. And we tell them that is just awesome. Did they accomplish walking? No, they did not. But they were making an effort towards whatever that was. And, and we, we, we showered them with encouragement. And we told them, hey, try it again. And then they'd fall down and we'd say, we, we wouldn't freak out that they had failed at walking. And we wouldn't look the other way and say, hey, I'm not going to say anything. We, what we, we would say, look, awesome, good job, way to go. So the falling down was not a problem. It was just part of the process. And we talked about deep practice. Falling down was part of deep practice. Falling down was part of helping this little person get right down into it and figure out exactly what needed to be done in order for them to balance and to walk. And the reason they plowed through and got a very difficult task done, walking is difficult, is because of all the encouragement that came from everybody during that period of their lives. And how effective is that, right? How effective is that? That's the pushback I get a lot from from intellectuals and from those that are very goal-oriented, you know, successful people is like, well, you know, encouragement, that only gets you so far. Really? How many people you know that just lay around all day? How many people do you know that are still crawling? Pretty much everybody walks, right? So we know how to do hard things. It's built in us. We know how to get up on our two feet and balance and walk around, which frankly, folks, is not easy. Okay. It takes a lot of work to learn how to walk. And we do it so simply and so easily uh, because we went through this process of deep practice. We are now expert walkers. Those neural pathways have been ingrained in us. They are surrounded in a thick layer of myelin. And we are expert walkers because we went through this process of learning surrounded with encouragement. We didn't have a goal. We didn't get up with our little baby list of tasks. None of that got us to the point where we accomplished something that is big and audacious and unbelievably complex, that of walking. Okay, so somewhere along the line, we as parents and adults get to a point where we decide that, hey, until you actually accomplish something, you're not going to get anything out of me. And that is going to teach you how to be a responsible adult. And that is a disaster. That is tragedy. I don't know where it happens. It happens somewhere around the line. It's somewhere along the line. As soon as they start to understand us and language and communication comes into it, we start to screw things up. 
Like, if I can explain something to you and tell you what I expect, and then if you don't accomplish that, you don't get anything from me because I've made it very clear. Well, that's crap. It's really a horrible way to live, and it's a horrible way to raise a child. Um, and I've, I've been absolutely one that has done this. I have been um, one who has um, been upset at a child for their room being clean or going downstairs and finding their trash. Right? I, I really have a hard time with trash. There's trash cans in the room. Can't you put your trash in the trash can? I have told you how many times to put your trash in the trash can. My father used to freak out when a light was left on. Is that really the best way to do it? Uh, no, I mean, I'm not even going to let you think about it. No, it is not the best way to do it. It's a disaster to do it that way. We need to get back to this place where we encourage effort, any effort. Does that mean that it's a little bit harder on us as adults? Absolutely. Because now we have to pay attention. And sometimes we don't like to do that. We get self-absorbed in everything else that we're trying to do. We're worried about our own hierarchy of needs and trying to get all this stuff done. Because the hierarchy, needs, the hierarchy of needs is really about taking care of yourself. It's not necessarily about taking care of other people. Um, so a lot of these needs can be handled and can be, um, I, I, I guess, can be addressed through the efforts of others. A lot of parents take care of most of these needs for their children. And so then their children have this opportunity to always be creative. And we kill that somewhere along in their line. And I, we need to get back to that, right? So when a child sits, when a child decides they're going to do this or they're going to try that, they need to be encouraged. It doesn't matter if we don't want them to play the cymbals, right? The cymbals are dumb. I don't want you to play the triangle in the band. I want you to come up with something that's more complex. Well, frankly, folks, if they want to play the triangle and you encourage them to play the triangle, they might come to the actualization that the triangle is dumb and maybe they want to try something else. But they need to come to that on their own and they need to be encouraged in that process. We need to encourage them anytime they decide to practice the triangle and allow them to get as good as they possibly can at the triangle. Not, we are not going to wait and, get, and hand out our praise when they are expert triangle players. I don't even know what a, is it a triangulist? I don't know what they're called. <laughs> a triangle-oust? My wife's a flautist? I don't know. I don't know what it's called. But our job then is to be, we are to be encouragers of their effort, which means that we have to pay attention to when these young people are making an effort, right? So if they go, if they start making a move towards their room, and we suppose that they may be heading that way to clean it. We say, thanks. Good job. I see you're heading towards your room to, to, to work on it. Great. Thank you. That's it. We don't sit there and wait for them to come back out and tell us, hey, my room's clean to go. Excellent job. Thank you for doing what you've been told. Instead, we continue to focus on the effort. Now, the cool thing about focusing on the effort is... Hopefully, and this is something where we have to learn this ourselves. We as adults have become very bad at, at self-actualization ac, and realizing when we are making effort. We tend to do this same thing to ourselves where we do not reward ourselves for making an effort. We only reserve this praise for when we accomplish something. Hey, when I get to this point then I'm going to go and do this and celebrate me doing this. When I have lost 20 pounds, then I get a brownie sundae. Well, that is a really a bad way to go about doing it. 
And I understand why we do it that way. We've been taught that way. Society has taught us that way. But society is wrong. The, re- the, the way to get this done, and this is really the key to being happy, more consistently, to stay happy at a higher level uh, through the day, to stay motivated at a much higher level, and to accomplish way more in our lives than doing it the way society tells us to do it. And that is getting very good at recognizing effort and giving ourselves an attaboy when we make an effort. As an example, if we decide, my wife and I were talking about about getting up at five in the morning and going for a walk. Okay, now I'm pretty sure my wife didn't do this, but I, when she came up with it, in my mind, I thought that's a great idea. Wow, I, I, I completely agree with that. And the fact that I agreed with it and thought it was a good idea, I gave myself an attaboy. I said, good job, that's awesome. Now. Did we get up at 5 a.m. and walk this morning? No, we did not. Um, but I'm not going to beat myself up over that. I, I took steps to even think about it. I, I, I made the effort to even think about it and even identify that that's a good idea. And I gave myself an attaboy. Right? I, I got a dopamine hit last night right before I went to sleep. Um, I got up and got myself dressed and came down to the office this morning. I gave myself an attaboy for that. Um, I went and I took the trash out this morning and uh, we had, we, we got some chips and salsa last night for whatever reason, it sounded really good, but we didn't want the normal salsa. My wife asked for this tomatillo sauce, which is really good at one place. I got it from a different place. It turned out to not be very good at all. It was super, super hot. Uh, so we didn't use a whole lot of it. It smelled, I mean, really strong. You'd still smell it. Uh, the next morning I took that out into the trash, the trash morning. I took it to the trash can. I went to take it out to the street and I put that in and I pushed the trash down so I could get the top down and the uh, salsa exploded all over me, right? I was dressed, ready to go to work, exploded all over me. Um, but I did not get upset that the salsa had exploded all over me. I gave myself an attaboy for being down there and putting the stinky trash in the trash can and getting it ready to, to take to the street. I went upstairs and changed, um, laughing that I was covered in this really horribly smelling salsa because I also know that if I laugh about something, um, it's going to keep me in a very creative state as opposed to if I freak out and get upset, then all of a sudden I'm bringing in fear of flight, my basic needs of safety are being uh, messed with, and then my creative spirit dies, okay? So this idea of encouragement is so important, and it does take a lot of work to get to a point where, one, we are present enough to notice when our little people are making any sort of effort towards anything that they're trying to do, and we we give them the encouragement they need. Um, As an an example, um, so I was out playing with my, my daughter once. She has a big audacious goal that she wants to make the, the golf team at high school. This golf team just won state last year. It's going to be a lot of work for her in order for her to make the team. Um, It's something that we can definitely do. Fortunately for her, I can help her in this and we can get there. Um, But we were out practicing on Saturday and I noticed as we were working on it that she she was hitting shots and she was hitting some really poor shots. And I instantly recognized that my daughter was so caught up in the result of this shot that she could not enjoy the process. She was so disappointed that the ball wasn't going where she wanted that she was actually disappointed and not having a good time. Well, that's a disaster for somebody who wants to accomplish a goal. 
So we turned that on its head. And I said, honey, look, we cannot worry about where the ball's going. The ball means nothing to us right now. We're working on the process. We're working on some things that maybe we need to, to fix a little bit in order for you to hit the ball. So please, I mean, the ball means nothing. The ball, the, the, where the ball goes right now means zero to us. And I helped her divorce from that um, need of accomplishing something before she could feel good. And then I started to shower her with encouragement on the things that she was working on, not doing correctly, but just for the effort of what she was working on. And I can tell you right now, by the end of that practice session, she had a great time and she was excited to get home and and look at her swing on video and show mom and we could talk about it because we turned the whole thing on its head. It wasn't about accomplishing anything. It was about rewarding her effort of just trying to get better. And that made it a really wonderful, fun time for both of us. And that's what we need to do as adults, is we need to make sure that we're focused on their effort and not an outcome. The outcome will come. In order to get really good at golf, you have to not care where the ball goes. And that's how it is in life. That's why I love golf. It's such, it's such an analogy for life. The best golfers in the world are divorced from the result of what they've done in the process up until that time. And, and beautifully, the ball usually goes where they want it to. But it does not define them and it does not define their effort. Those that get really, really good at any sort of activity got there because they had such a passion, right? Some actually had such a passion where they could, they were going to fight through no matter what, even through all the discouragement. But I would argue because we can build talent, We need to make sure that the motivation is there. And the way to keep the motivation there is to make sure that we are focused on effort because there are so many more opportunities to praise effort than there will ever be to praise an accomplishment. And yet when we praise effort and everybody's getting those dopamine hits, they will stay more motivated. They will stay in a much happier plane. And because they are in this happier, more motivated plane, they will accomplish more. And that's the beauty of it. And they will be able to stay in this, this state of what Mavlov used to talk about, the self-fulfillment needs, this self-actualization place where they are creative, where they are passionate problem solvers. So the, the whole point of today's show is hopefully to show through science and through experience that we as individuals, if we are helping these young people grow into to people that are that are happier, that are more passionate, that are more creative, that are amazing problem solvers, then we need to do a better job of making sure we pay attention to their effort and not the outcome of what they're trying to accomplish. Do not, do not hold back praise or celebration for accomplishments. Let's make sure that we reward effort with encouragement all along the way. Not only in their lives, and again, this eight-part series is going to be a lot about them, but in a very real part, it's going to be hopefully helping us put ourselves in a better place where we too can feel more motivated, where we can feel happier, more passionate, where we can feel 
that we are in a place where we can see problems uniquely and then use our experience to solve these problems. And the best way to do that is to be in a good place. And the best way to get into a good place is to make sure that we are acknowledging our effort and celebrating it and keeping our motivation up, our happiness up, so we can become creative problem solvers ourselves and not suffer through this life. This life is supposed to be wonderful, but we have gotten into this place where until we accomplish something, we don't feel like we deserve any sort of celebration or praise, and that is garbage. Please, for what, please get rid of that thought process and begin to notice your efforts Even the smallest little thing, if you set your alarm clock for 15 minutes earlier for tomorrow morning because you want to get up and and read or meditate or whatever, please give yourself an attaboy for that. If you brush your teeth, if you decide to go brush your teeth 15 minutes earlier so you can get to sleep earlier, please give yourself an attaboy for that. For the effort that it's taken to hopefully get you to, you may not get to sleep earlier, but... You took some effort. You made an effort to make that happen, and that needs to be rewarded. And we need to get very, very good. We need to build a talent. We need to get into deep practice of changing the way our brains work. So we are noticing our effort, and we are celebrating it to get the dopamine hits we need to stay motivated. And as long as we are motivated, we will be creative problem solvers, and we will solve problems at a much higher rate. And then we can celebrate those too. But until we learn to celebrate the entire process and find great joy in that, we are not, we're going to have a very hard time of staying motivated and 92% of our goals will continue to go unaccomplished. So that is part three. Tomorrow we will jump more into the... Um, boy, here's my schedule here. We are going to jump more into, I don't know, it's written down somewhere. So part, part four is going to be great, folks, but we'll get in, in, into that tomorrow. Please notice your effort. Make sure that you acknowledge your effort in your young people and make sure you acknowledge the effort in yourself today and start getting better at it. Let's start developing a talent of being those that understand and reward effort. Until next time, Aaron Stewart saying thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. If there's anything you heard today that you enjoyed, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or subscribe to this podcast so you can be alerted when the next episode is available. Until then, here's to all the entrepreneurs out there. Let's go get it done.